Audrey Hepburn in the bum. <laughs> I really did not think you were going to add that part in. But of course you're the editor. Whenever the devil harasses you thus, seek the company of men, or drink more, or joke and talk nonsense, or do some other merry thing. Sometimes we must drink more, sport, recreate ourselves, I, and even sin a little to spite the devil, so that we leave him no place for troubling our consciences with trifles. We are conquered if we try too conscientiously not to sin at all. So when the devil says to you, do not drink, answer him, I will drink and write freely just because you tell me not to. Martin Luther. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions weekly held about Christianity, the church, and fear. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I am not joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce, this week. He's a new papa. I am joined by a friend of the show, Andy Flores. How are you doing, Andy? I am doing quite well. Happy to be here. Enjoying some beer. Hopefully some good conversation. And getting a chance to roast Colton in his absence. What are we drinking this week? We are drinking the No Vacancy by Firestone. West Coast IPA. 6.5 ABV. Collaboration with Alvarado Street Brewery. Well, Alvarado's a quite a nice little microbrewery, so uh, I am not sure, though. I've had a taste. I am not sure what I think. It's interesting. It's not... Um... It's definitely West Coast, but there's a different, there's like a, hmm, it's a little more fruity than what I would expect. Yeah, it's a strange fruity flavor on the front and then quite bitter on the back. Yeah. I don't mind the bitter. I just cannot place what in the world is on the front. Whenever we can't figure it out, I think Colton always says stone fruit or something like that. I don't know, but it's not bad. It's refreshing. I don't feel like I have to chew anything. I, it's good. 2023 Invitational Beer Festival collaboration with Alvarado. So they did it for a beer festival. Yeah, it doesn't say at all what. The can reminds me of a scene that has passed me on the side of a VW bus on the freeway. <laughs> it's kind of Simpson-esque, <laughs> but there's very... animals. Well, there's a lion, the lion and the bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, some giant pineapples growing in there, so I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess it doesn't say what kind of hops they used. It doesn't... Give any kind of flavor flavor profile from the 
Brewmaster. So I guess we're just to, to assume it's tropical flavor notes. That would be safe. Okay. I like it though. Uh, you know what? Now I feel like now that it's now that I've been now that I that I have tropical in my head, now I taste banana. Oh. And I don't know what to think about that. I would not have been able to place that, but maybe. It is interesting. Hmm. I would, you know, I would guess because of that sweetness on the front, I would have guessed it to be a higher ABV than, oh, than six. It's yeah. only six? Uh, six, five. Six, five. I would have put it at like a seven, one or something just because, you know how you get those, especially the doubles that, and it's like, yeah, that, that tastes like alcohol. That tastes yeah. like sugar. And it kind of reminded me of that, but not, not as uh punchy in the face as a lot of those are. So if you hear odd noises from either one of us, it's because we have uh, Monday Night Football going on as we record tonight. There's two games going on. Uh, the Blands, the Cleveland Blands are pro- playing the Pittsburgh Bunglers. <laughs> and then uh, the New Orleans Aints are playing, uh, I don't have a term for the, for the Panthers, the Antlers, I don't know. <laughs> but so far it's a stinky, stinky putrid football. They're only now getting out of the baseball score range. Mm-hmm. We're in the second half of one game. It's well into the second quarter of another. So, all right. So we're bearing. Yes, we said it at the top. Colton's a proud new daddy. Here, here. Yes. Reese Faye Pierce had the baby a couple days ago. Mom and baby are already at home. Healthy. So... Uh, we don't. I don't know how long Colton's going to be out with his new responsibilities. He's still got brand new school he's teaching at and a water polo team in the middle of the season, so he's going to be quite busy. I'm going to do my best to record. Uh, we'll reiterate this at the end of the podcast. Please expect, if you're a faithful listener of this, you might see us transition to more every other week and not every week just because of the busy schedule and I can't lean on Andy or other people to help fill in all the time. So we're going to do our best, but, uh, so tonight, Oh wait, do we want to give, uh, we want to give Colton some father advice. You know, that's that. That always puts a lot of pressure on because <laughs> there's so many there's so many people that will will sit there and tell you to try to soak up everything and take it all in and enjoy. It's like you're going through what you may perceive as like the worst time in your life where you're used to being able to get as much sleep as you want. Thanks, thanks, Tank. That was great. Uh, <laughs> you're you know your fatherhood is many things, but one of them. One of the things it is is a death to your former life, and which is fine, which is fine because you know, you you, that's one of the things that children do is make you look at the world differently and reprioritize. Prior, yeah, prioritize. That's what I was gonna say. Prioritize other things, and and rightfully so. And that's that's how we should be. Um, 
so but it is a little bit of morning where your previous <laughs> carefree life of going on road trips and all these kind of things that you used to do um that that changes you know you have responsibilities at home the wife needs help the kids need i think both parents there most of the time and so i'm not going to tell him to enjoy all that stuff it's it's hard to do that um but i would say just do your best through that process, and when you emerge at the end, your kids will want to be friends with you, and they'll enjoy your company. And that's that's kind of how you want it to be. You want you want to be able to be proud of the people that they become, but you also want want to have a a, a good friend relationship with with your sons and daughters. It's it's kind of priceless when you have that. As you were saying that, it occurred to me. I think my advice, I, look, I didn't, I think we've talked about it on the show before. I didn't have children of my own. My wife had three kids and I made a conscious decision to not have kids. So uh, for reasons, maybe I'll get into on an episode. Well, maybe we'll have her on. We can talk about it. But I decided to make those kids my kids and not have kids with, with Danica. Uh, so I didn't have the experience of birth and a child that was from the fruit of my own loins and all that kind of thing. So I don't have that direct experience. I will say because you you were talking, you it, it, what you were saying made me think Colton's, we kind of had fun with Colton when he first announced he was having a baby and he was quite daft at acting as if nothing was going to change and and all of us were as politely as possible or 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 rudely behind his back saying <laughs> he's a moron everything's going to change um and as you said that's probably that that's difficult for a lot of people i think unfortunately that's why a lot of people his age aren't choosing not to have children because they're hanging on to the good life that they think that they have and so i can see how this transition is going to be difficult for Colton because none of his friends and his age, his immediate peer group of four or five other guys uh, have children. Two of his friends uh, are married, but they don't have children. Uh, one's recently married. One, I think, has been married for a little while. And then his other friends are single. So he's basically the first one pulling the Band-Aid off, and I'm sure that was going to make him feel a little bit left out or guilty because he's in some ways blowing the band up. Although our friend Nolan moved and that kind of started the whole thing as well. He moved to Texas. So my point is, I would always be the one who dove in first and had shifting priorities rather than be the one too late realize time wasted because they were holding on to the current situation and realizing if I'd gotten, I would have rather had more time or sooner, gotten started sooner with this new life than be the last one hanging on going like, hey guys, you're bringing up the band. It's kind of like that's, that amazing scene in Goodwill Hunting where Will's telling the Ben Affleck character, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to take any jobs. I'm going to work construction. And our kids are going to play Little League together. And Ben Affleck look, looks at him and says, you do that, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Well, why? Because you got every, you got stuff none of us have. 
And if you waste all that just because you want to hang out and get hammered every, on the weekends, you're an idiot. So I think in the long run, and Colton's a smart enough, deep enough cat, he'll figure it out. And I'm sure he's already enjoying fatherhood. I've only been able to text him. I haven't called him. Part of that's just because I don't haven't wanted to intrude. Um, and he's got, I'm sure, I think his parents... His parents were talking about coming down and helping out. I'm, I know between his parents and Audrey's, they've got lots of help, and so uh, we will connect and find out about fatherhood is when it's appropriate. I did see pictures. Danica showed me pictures of them on Facebook, and there's a great shot of him holding baby uh, Reese, and he's got the biggest smile on his face. So, and he's great with the. High school kids that he teaches and coaches, and he's always a teacher who is more concerned about how his kids are doing than what kind of grades they are, and I'm sure that's going to translate over to being a father. So, cheers to you, Colton. Cheers. So, have you been listening any to any music this week, or what music have you been listening to? Oh, man. <laughs> It's been various and assorted things, if anything, to irritate the middle school kids that I work with. <laughs> they throw out suggestion after suggestion of things they want me to play, and I say, you know I can't play the music that you guys listen to. Anything that has a little E next to it cannot be played at school. It's not school appropriate. So I expose them to all kinds of different stuff that that uh, I have listened to over the years. I'm trying to think of what the most what's the most recent stuff. I don't know. It's just a mixed bag of stuff. It'll be uh, Morrissey. It'll be some classic rock. It'll be which you know what's classic rock now, but yeah, you know some Allison Chain, some Nirvana. So yeah, just stuff like that, really. How about you? I have been listening to the National quite a bit. The National. The Nat. I. The National is. Uh, I'm not. They're kind of in that music genre of Coldplay and Snow Patrol. I don't know what you could call that, like alternative rock. Or okay, yeah. uh, They've been around for a while. Uh, there's probably a lot of their songs you've... Well, some of their songs, you don't know that it's the national, uh, but they've, you, th th they'll be played in a TV show or a movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they're a very interesting band. Sounds they're very older. great. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, yeah. It's I would say it's a it's an updated less annoying uh, cuz I wouldn't listen to it, but updated less annoying version of REM. Okay. The music's very good. It's different music than REM. I I wouldn't uh it's it's more rocky and there's a lot more layered stuff in the studio to their music, uh but uh very similar to REM in the lyrics. There's there they have songs and I don't have any idea what the hell they're talking about. But <laughs> I enjoy the song and uh, enjoy taking the acid trip that they're putting us all on. All right, so main topic tonight. We're gonna try to do a couple of things, but first one's a cleanup on aisle five. We're gonna do a cleanup on the whole Satan, devil, devil. Uh, demons episode so 
Andy, you and I were talking on Saturday at our cigar club that of kind of what you thought you heard we were saying. And so I want to delve into that because I think we did say things that we didn't necessarily uh, intend or we just weren't clear enough. And so if you heard something different, it's not your fault. It's our fault. So and I want to say before we get into the discussion that this is why we want to have listeners tune in, uh, send us uh, comments, send us emails, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, wherever, and call it, you know, raise questions, criticize us because Colton and I aren't standing up, standing here at the microphone from some position of authority. We're just two guys talking. And a lot of times we're having conversations where we're thinking out loud. We haven't necessarily completely fleshed out our arguments. Um, we're kind of, we've admitted on the show, we're still kind of working through how our faith is evolving as, um, we kind of get out, get away from our childhood faith and what we grew up and as the church itself seems to be, see, seems to be evolving. So definitely send those comments and questions in to call us out so we can say, yeah, if that's what we said, that's not what we meant. So Andy, what was it you heard us say in the satan commercial i i think part of it was episode yeah i I think part of it was that you guys were it seemed like you started flushing out the fact that there's no way that you believe that that the devil is on the same level as far as power and uh, uh, power and, and he's not he's not god's equal basically but then as the episode went on, it kind of seemed like there was a little bit of questioning as to e- even his existence and that basically the thing that tor- the things that torment us are mainly demons that are just let loose upon the earth to run amok and all that kind of a thing. So it, it kind of seemed like that is what you guys were saying. I think it started off that you were pointing out almost like well if there is a devil he's not on the same level of that god is and all those kind of things so that was kind of the first part of it that i wasn't quite sure about would what what's your response to that so i know so i i can i thought about it later after we talked on saturday and i know either how we are we let the discussion come off the rails or we weren't clear enough i know where it seemed we were downplaying satanic forces, shall we say, demonic forces that exist. And that's when we were that's when we were poking fun at or and just flat out disagreeing with this strain of Christianity that blames all of the things that go on in our life as well, that's the in or or well, no 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 no. I, it's even more it's even more sinister than that even though i say i say sinister although the people who do this are good good christ-fearing people but it's this notion that i sin because it it's that they go through it's this christian view of the whole world is the garden of eden and there's this snake constantly tempting me and when i when I sin, it's because I gave in to Satan and he tempted me. And a lot of times it comes across as you're blaming him and instead of just saying, like, no, you just, you're human. You're a flawed person. And even though you're a believer, you're still failing. And 
oftentimes having known a lot of people who do at least speak in those terms, if not, if they don't actually mean it, it does come across as not taking full responsibility for what they've done. And I think that's what we're poking fun at. Okay. Or flat, flat out criticizing and saying that's not biblical. Now, certainly Jesus talks about, you know, in the four gospels, Jesus is tempted and all that's, that's talked about. But, um, yeah, I think there's just a, like a lot of, like just a lot of the modern theology we're going through. There's a lot of junk and that's one of those. And that, that comes out of the, I don't know when that started, but it seems kind of part of the whole assemblies of God. It's just part of the more, this the part of the Christianity that, um, is more spiritual, both spiritual in terms of speaking in tongues and being more in tune spiritually as a believer. But then also it's, it's, I think there's a term for it of uh, it's conflict theology, and it's this belief that the kingdom of God is always in this this huge battle, like like a Marvel movie or comic book with mm -hmm. the forces of evil, True. and that we're in the middle of that. Uh, even little old church lady is in the middle of that, and so when she's having issues, it's because of that. I like I like how you said that because I think er everything from I'm not getting the parking space I want, I'm mm, not getting mm -hmm. the promotion at work. And I think part of what you're saying is that we try to ascribe way too much credit to the devil because things aren't working out the way we think they should work out. And the thing I the issue I have with that kind of a mentality for for some Christians is just because things don't work out the way that you thought they should does not mean that it's not God working for you to improve yourself to to pick up on some kind of a lesson that you need to pick up so that eventually you can do something more for the kingdom of God. Let's not give credit to, to Satan all the time just because something doesn't go the way we think it should go. Well, let's let's this is the genius of this, the the show. Let's tease on that and but go down a different route because the problem with that mentality of yeah, of viewing the enemy as the reason why something in your life isn't going correctly or you didn't get what you thought you and God wanted for you is a lot of times that leads to this very myopic view of door number one, door number two, door number three, Christianity. And when we don't get what we thought was behind door number one, then we think either one of two things, which are, I think are incorrect. Either Satan is derailing you and you're under this spiritual warfare from the enemy and or two, God had some specific plan for you on such and such decision. I remember uh, Brandon Price, who was the youth pastor at the church we were at before, he got finally got tired of parents and kids coming up and you know asking him for prayer and you know asking for advice on what school to go to, college to go to. Like it's this monumental deal, and he just finally started telling kids and parents, God didn't really care at the end of the day what college you go to. God cares that you go. Pick a college, go there, 
be a Jesus follower hmm. and make and and live like Jesus wants you to live and you know be a good example and all that kind of stuff. But he didn't really care if you go to Texas A and M or or Davis or whatever if you want to study that. Just pick some place and go. But isn't that so? But your life's gonna the, the life the idea that you pick the wrong school, your life's gonna go get derailed. But that's so Christian Today magazine. It's so you know we don't have time to be not mindful of the gentle nudgings of the Holy Spirit. So let's just go to our youth pastor and ask him mm. to, to be our intermediary. <laughs> and uh, can you please uh, tell us what university we should we should attend because we don't have the time. He, he should have told him to say five Hail Marys and <laughs> come up with some... A couple that, of Our Fathers. Some, and the... uh, yeah. Say, say the words prayer five times. Yeah. Well, I mean, and take I, communion three day, three nights in a row, and and he probably went. <laughs> what probably really burned him up is he went. He did that dutifully the first time, and then it's like it didn't work out. She's coming back home. <laughs> what? You should have prayed harder, Pastor yeah. Brandon. <laughs> He's like exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a book. I think you still have it somewhere. It was and it was. Very rudely, very bluntly called like 10 Stupid Things Christians Believe ah. by Ray. Can't remember Ray's last name. He runs a really big mega church down in North San Diego County, like uh, La Jolla. And one of them was this idea that, you know, yeah, God's got a plan for you for everything. Like he, he'd point the parking spot was one ah. that, he, that he used. The other one that he used that I thought was really devastating was this idea of a the a plan for who you're supposed to marry? Because he's he point he like I even think he had like a graph to show it. What? <laughs> well, he he pointed out like let's say let's say Lisa thinks it's God's plan for her to marry Rob. Under this under this scenario that God's got this plan for everybody to marry the right person, right? Let's say Lisa gets convinced because I don't know she's she eats too much tikka masala the previous night before or whatever, and, but she has this this incorrect conviction that she's supposed to marry Rob, but she's not. She's supposed to marry Luke, but she marries Rob. The problem is Rob was supposed to be married to Jennifer. Now Jennifer can't marry who she God intended for her. So now it creates this chain reaction where nobody gets to marry who they're supposed to marry just because. Free will. <laughs> just because what's your name? Pick the, pick the wrong person yeah. and didn't listen to God. <laughs> and I thought that's twisted. That's, that's pretty, that's, pre that's pretty logical that's right twisted, there. <laughs> but fair because yeah. <laughs> And, and maybe and the simple answer is maybe he does have this plan he would like to see happen, but yeah, we have free will, so it all gets thwarted, <laughs> and he has to pick up the pieces afterward, as we all do. So. Yeah. So so yeah. So ten years later, he an angel comes to Lisa and says, "Lisa, none of this is your problem. It's because your friend Jane married who you were supposed to be betrothed to." So. This is why the good book says sometimes we're tested. <laughs> You're being tested. 
And this is why it says no divorce because you can't get out of it. <laughs> All right. So that was so num- that was number one. So uh, number two. Or was it an- another one? It sounded like you had another issue from the Satan. You know, I, I think that was probably the biggest one because I, I remember thinking they are saying that there is no Satan, that the. The demons are just running amok. I'm like, what about Matthew chapter four? And you know, the oh, that was that the, and... so okay. That was the comment you made in the podcast at Podbean, which yes. actually hosts our website and then distributes it distributes it to probably where most of you listen to it. Yeah, so you made the comment of uh, it sounded like we implied that demons just kind of run amok and there's nobody in charge. And that Satan's not the king of the demons. Yeah, and as I reflected on it later, I I thought, I think really what you guys were saying is that some people, because of that whole Marvel uh, analogy, that that some people place Satan almost on on an equal standing with God, and it's it's just the bat, and somehow human beings are going to be the ones that be able to turn the tide for God. It's like. So I, I kind of got that, like, okay, they're just saying, no, he's not on the same plane. But I remember at certain points in the podcast, I thought you guys were maybe saying that the, really there isn't a Satan, there's no need for a Satan, there's just demons running amok. Okay, so I think what we were talking about earlier in early part of the episode, we were trying to lay out, what I was trying to do, I know in, in particular was, we have this firm idea of who Satan is. And we have this idea that Satan is used in this. Satan is uniformly described from the from Genesis to Revelation, and the Bible scholarship on that is clear. That is not the case. Jesus is probably the one who most clearly discusses the fact that there is this opposing force. To God, the Old Testament is much more ambiguous, and in, and in, like I think I don't if if I'm regurgitating what was what was talked about in two weeks before I I apologize, but I do it, it's probably good to repeat it. So like in Job, the word that is the word that is used for Satan is best described as the accuser. Mm-hmm. But a lot of scholarship looks at the at Job and doesn't look as if like Satan's come up from the underworld from hell and shown up at, God, at up in heaven and is saying, "Hey, let's have this prior, primordial uh, battle for this poor bastard named Job." A lot of the scholarship says that Satan's actually like he lives he's part of this celestial group of advisors or demigods that are that serve under serve under God and he's there i mean he's residing wherever God's residing and he just then decides to call God up and you know challenge God he yes he does challenge God so there's that very greek model of uh yeah well that's at. the thing you know, you know a lot of Modern scholarship is is pointing out that a lot of the stuff that we think in the old, particularly in the Old Testament, is just some 
Hebrew uh, view of the world is actually being influenced if if it's the books being written at the time where the Israelites the the Hebrews are in um, captivity in Babylon a lot they're drawing stuff from Babylonian religion and when if 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 you hear me say this and it offends you I am not saying I'm not meaning to say that this discredits our faith. I just think we need to be honest, particularly because my view of the Old Testament is people are trying to struggle with who God is, and he's not fully revealed until Jesus comes along. And then we kind of reverse engineer what God's trying to tell people in the Old Testament to say, no, this is really what I want. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's aspects of the old, of the Bible that people point out is draws from Zoroastrianism, which is older than, I think, Older than Islam. It's older than Islam. It's, I think, older than Jesus. I don't know if it's older even than what we would call Judaism, but uh, it might be. But again, that's not to say that it's the supreme religion and everyone else is just stealing from it. Uh, again, I think it, the, the people who are writing the Old Testament are, or the Hebrew Bible, are in a... They're in a rather small, yes, for them it's a long travel, but they're in a rather small geographical area where they've got lots of little, lots of cultures that are all grasping with who the who God is, and a lot of them kind of have similar views of God. Um, well, there's actually, there's a very powerful, someone's written a book about it. I, I want to get the book and read it. Uh, but there's a very powerful book that says that even the Judaism again I keep using Judaism but because that's our modern term Jews follow Jews including at the time of Jesus and the, at the time of the early church we have this view that Jews in the Old Testament and that Jews and Christians in the New Testament were the only had this world worldview that there was one God and one God only and then everyone else lived in a pantheon view of the world. And there's a guy who's written a book based on a lot of scholarship that says, no, even Jews even accept, Jews even lived within, and early Christians in the New Testament, and they and he, I think, points to a lot of the writing of Paul in particular, they accept this pan view, pantheon view of the world. They're just arguing what everybody else is arguing, that their God is the premier God, the supreme God, and that the other gods of these other uh, religions and peoples, they're basically supposed to be following what God wants and they're not, but they're also, they also have a God in charge of their people. And I think there's a specific verse in the, it's not in the New Testament, I think it's in the Old Testament that speaks of that, of how there's the I, it might have been at the time of the flood. I need to find this and and speak more about this on the podcast uh, on another episode. But yeah, that the, the, there's this moment that's talked about, and that at that it's at that moment. Then I think it's at the time where he separates where uh, at Babel, and everyone's not only their language is separated, but God's now going to cease being the one God of everybody. He's now gonna break everyone up into different cultures and with languages because that essentially we read that as languages he's now creating multi uh 
It's if if the Old Testament up to that point is a fairly accurate view of the world, and I don't know that it is, but let's just say that it is. If it says that we now have multiple religions, it should also be understood that it's probably one monoculture because language is often a reflection of a different culture. So not only at that point in Babel are we getting multiple languages so no one can talk to each other and it's now reducing the amount of power man has, but they're also now becoming multicultural and God at that moment is handing over to each one of these peoples he's creating with different uh, languages their own God that he's appointed who is a part of his celestial council council or something like that. Yeah. Which kind of answers the question of, you know, in the, in the new Testament where, you know, it talks about how every, everybody, it, I think Paul, what is it? Paul who says everyone knows about everyone. No one's got an excuse. Everyone knows about God. And that's always the question is, well, how do they know? Because, because we look at that through a, Hebrew Abraham God and so anyway it's a fascinating thing if it, if this blows your mind and it you makes your head hurt or you find that it's detracting from your Christianity throw it out I'm not asking for anything any anybody to be challenged I mean none of this stuff is really fundamental to our faith it's just it, I think where it is fundamental is to understand that how we most probably most Protestant Christians view the the Bible and our faith is a, again as we, Colton and I say re- repeated repeatedly it's only about a two hundred year version of Christianity hmm. and that that's not how things have been understood and um and we're even now because we're finding you know we're still the Dead Sea Scrolls were only discovered thirty forty years ago or maybe longer but it took a long time for them to be read. That was a sim- that was like the first seminal moment where we found uh, actual writings of the time of Jesus, um, and we're still finding I think things here and there now. So, you know, we're still people are still digging up things arche- uh, archaeologically and trying to figure out what. Even though we've been studying these religions and these peoples and these languages for a long time, we're still figuring it out. And, you know, sometimes we're trying to figure out too much and it's leading us to bad conclusions. But anyway, all that to say. Boy, getting back to Satan. <laughs> I think we talked about it a little bit. We probably didn't reinforce. We, we could have probably just really leaned into... I am, I know I am, and I think Colton actually is too, very sensitive to the spiritual stuff. Like, I get the willies, there's a movie going on, there's a a movie commercial going on right now on, that's on television, they're showing it during NFL games, and even my high school friends, my one high, I got a high school buddy who's about as crass as it gets, and he's like, really? You're showing this in the middle where kids are watching football, and it's, it's, it's a new Exorcist movie. And it's basically young girls, pubescent girls are all becoming uh, possessed. And I watched the commercial once and then every single time, once I know that commercial coming out, I pause my YouTube TV and I wait 30 seconds and then I fast forward because I don't want to watch it again. 
And it's basically all these girls are being possessed and then everybody's got to decide uh, which one which one's going to be sacrificed so the all the other ones can live and it's all there's a lot of language about the the body and blood of Christ and all, that stuff freaks me out i have never watched the exorcist the first movie i watched the second one and honestly i took the second one because i watched the second one because i took my girlfriend who i was breaking up with there out of spite this is a stupid <laughs> idea <laughs> Or she was breaking up with me. Uh, and otherwise, I just won't I won't watch anything that seems to have like a spiritual thing, particularly horror movies. And, you know, there might be some movie where there's some, some spiritual stuff and it's not too freaky. It, it'll still like bother me a little bit. But. Uh, but even just like. Uh, crime that people like uh, crimes that people commit that just seem like they've got it's not just someone's got a screw loose like there's something more to it yeah that stuff freaks me out uh i know the what was that netflix show was it mind hunters where they had the two guys oh. who invented who invented uh profiling yeah and there was that one it's based on a true story the the serial killers that they're all finding were are, are real people in real or real life and there's this guy who's in california that they're using to be kind of the baseline for how to sniff out. And this guy, he's got like the personality of a child, but then the demonic stuff comes out and it just, it freaked me out. I was like, I don't know how much more of this show I can watch. So if anything, I, in a lot of ways, I'm overly sensitive to it, but uh, well, overly sensitive means I suggest that I, think i shouldn't be as no i i <laughs> no I, I think i'm appropriately sensitive to it given the cerebral nature of most of yours and colton's conversations i find it interesting that you guys or you anyway let's say and and i say this not to say that i i don't agree with what you're saying because i'm very much that way too but why if we have such a rational view of our decision to follow Christ and all these kind of things. Why are things like that so upsetting when logically we've already made that decision? I think it's just upsetting that it, it exists in the world. It's not the upsetting. Fact that it does. Yeah. It's not upsetting where I think it's like a, an, a, an attack on that. I'm susceptible, susceptible to it or something. I mean, we can get a whole discussion about how one of the reasons why we watch this, Americans like watching this shit, and a lot of us aren't, including myself, a lot of us are more cerebral. Well, the reason why we are in some ways susceptible to it, but we also take it lightly, is because we have become, we are a enlightened, rational society. But a good chunk of the world still is not. Yes. And don't take that if you're listening to this to mean that they are less than us culturally, but they're just not, you know, I would even say we have this view of Asia that it is Western in its culture. It is not. It is Western in how it dresses. It is Western in how it maybe listens to music that is a derivative of modern Western music. It is Western culturally 
in in a pop culture sense. But Jap- Japan, one of the reasons why we get so befuddled by people in Asia is they don't think like America, like Westerners do. They think much long term. They just their cultures are still differently. Yes, they have adopted America uh, Western pop culture, but they still think of the world differently. Now, they. I don't know. I wouldn't know what how to describe how they are spiritually. So yes, in the southern hemisphere, in Africa and South America, they too are not either. They are either somewhat Western. They are probably Western. They are Western in how they govern themselves. A lot of the the, the like modern practices they are Western, but they are much less enlightenment in how they view the world. Uh, I know this from being in Africa a couple times. They absolutely, you would think of yourself as being under attack, uh, spiritual warfare from spiritual forces. And you say, well, that, why don't you call them stupid? There might be a silliness to it, but it also might be that that's where the spiritual forces reside, which is in the third world, because we don't. We poo-poo those things. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Or it just might be whether we're deluding ourselves. Possibly. We have a friend, a mutual friend from our old church, and he was on a mission down in Brazil. And he tells this story freely, so I'm not sharing anything that shouldn't that's a secret. While he was there, there was an old lady who I think was an astrologer. And he, if I remember correctly, he and another group of uh, and his, of his friends, they weren't, uh, they went to go talk to her. And she was, if I remember right, she was like five foot, very overweight. As soon as they started talking about Jesus, this lady transformed, like her nails like grew in seconds to really long nails they were driving they were either if they were either multiple cars one of their cars or the car they were in was a vw bug and they decided it was time to hightail it out of there because of the demonic temper tantrum she was throwing and she leapt from the back of that, so they started driving away from her hut. She leapt to where, she, like, many, many feet from behind the bug to in front of them in order to confront them. So, <laughs> and this is somebody who was telling the story who I wouldn't have thought, who's probably like me is very cerebral in his faith. And so for him to tell that story and just be like, yeah, I've seen crazy stuff, but you know, again, that's the kind of stuff I would expect in Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So what do you think? I, I mean, thinking, comparing, you know, some of the cultures that you're talking about with Asian and even some of the things in Africa, I think, in in a lot of cases they are geared to not view themselves as the center of their own universe they're in the asian cultures it's and even in african too the reverence for ancestors and things like that the things that you do reflect on your family so be mindful of 
how you're conducting yourself. Um, I think that fits in well with the model of Christianity, put others before yourself. In those cases, it's, you know, their own family and their own ancestors. So I, I, I can see, you know, parallels in that. Um, but I, with, with the Catholic background, you kind of get a little <laughs> more exposure to those kind of things. And you see, um, like the Hollywood version of, you know, like the impotent priest against some kind of demon he's trying to fight against. And he holds the crucifix up and the, the demon makes it burst into flames and those kind of things. Um, in, in those kind of instances, you know, you think, okay, if do you have do you have like a real believer of Christ there, this priest, or is he like a child molester priest and he he gets what he deserves when <laughs> when the demon causes him, you know, to burst into flames? So it's it's a good it's a good question. I I don't those kind of things, the feelings you get and all that 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 can be scary at times, but keeping in mind that regardless of what what those kind of things what what's going on they're impotent they they have no power against the blood of Christ they they're not going to be able to hurt you um when you have a strong faith when you have had experiences in your life where you know you know I I I get through this and there's nothing that's going to happen nothing that nothing that you're going to be able to do is going to be able to you know harm me or hurt me and um so, yeah, I mean, I do those things exist in, in, in our day and age in the United States? Yeah, I think they do sometimes. I agree that we don't see them as readily as probably some of the people in the third world do because you hear those kind of stories from Mexico, from Brazil, from Latin America. Um, and when you, have, when you have eyewitness accounts like the one you mentioned, I mean, how do you downplay that? How do you, you know, you can't really just brush that aside. There's... There's things that happens. If we put ourselves in those situations, you will see those kind of things going on. And you will have visual confirmation. And the weird thing is, in, in our day and age, I'll describe to you an experience I had where the way that it seems to happen to us, to like modern Christians in the United States, is an experience I had where you feel like an oppressive feeling before. And it happens in such a way that it's really hard to put your finger on was what I was happening real. What, what I experienced, was that real or was that just that fog between being asleep and, and then waking up where you feel like a, just a weight on you or something like that. And it happens, you know, or, you know, early in the morning, it's when people typically describe it because it's really hard to define it. Was that real that I was feeling that, but just an oppressive feeling that can come over you. And again, I think it it happens in a way that we can always discount it if we really want to, to say, ah, oh, that wasn't real. But just remember, those kind of things don't have, have power over us. So um, do we still experience things? Not to the degree that, that people in other, uh, you know, say the third world do, but I think it still can happen. I have a story from my childhood that it just occurred to me. I think it was 79. My parents took a trip. They went to Taiwan. I think they went to China. They definitely went to 
South Korea and Taiwan. While they were there, they bought this statue of a basically it was like Indian Gandalf. And it was, it, I think it was, it was a specific like Chinese wise man, or it was like a an idol. You might they liked it because it looked cool and it was going to go well with the decor they were changing the house over to. So they bring the same thing home, and they had it in the bedroom. Ooh. Both of them started experience seeing. A presence in the room at night. And one of them finally put two connected that thing to what they were seeing and promptly threw it away and never saw that creature again. And my parents are not prone to wild, crazy stuff, but they were adamant that they were seeing the same thing like they independently described this thing that was in the room so even though we sound very academic again there is very much a side to me that uh understands and takes seriously i, I if some if my kids when they were younger brought a ouija house and ouija board in the house that thing would have been burned i would have set fire to that thing i wouldn't have just thrown it away i would have set fire to that thing in the front yard I think oh, Ouija no. boards. Agreed. That that was not something Danica that would have been tolerated. Danica has a story about her messing with one when she was in high school, and she she said she doesn't like telling the story again. I don't blame her. Those things. It's and, and I think that's kind of the issue, regardless of what we how how intuitive we are, how cerebral we like to consider ourselves. There's another, you get on a different plateau when you invite certain things in. Yeah. Because you can, you can have accepted Christ. You can do, you know, kind of go through the motions in your faith. But it's when you actually cross the line and invite things, that's where we have a problem. And to that story, and then it got to the point where my dad would even say things like that, like, if we were on a job site doing some stuff, and if somebody left a tool behind, he'd say, nope, just leave it there because you don't know oh, what's, what's attached. You don't know what's attached. You don't know what's attached <laughs> to that, the kind of person that it is or anything. Kind of, just leave it there. Wow. Yeah. It made an impression. I still don't to this day. It's like, wow, I never thought about that. Hmm. I have a really nice roofing hammer out in the garage that a roofer left maybe i should get rid of it <laughs> it's like really expensive um there i this also reminds me uh there's a podcast called pbd podcast pat patrick bet david and uh he had about two three years ago he had one of the catholic church's exorcists on and this guy was not only telling stories but had audio from an exorcism he performed in Germany. And Danica could not be, she couldn't have been more interested in listening to this thing. She had it on in the car. And we'd been in the car about 20 minutes, and then they started playing the audio of this guy talking to the German kid, who I think they determined had like 15 demons living in, in him by the time they were done. But they were recording, like they had like a microphone, uh, one of those 
uh, fiber optic microphones like poked through the door, the, the keyhole of the room because anytime they tried to record in the room, the the demon, the like the main demon would flip out. I think what the story was. Anyway, they started playing audio of this guy interacting with the demonic force, and I got about ten seconds in. I said, "That's it. I, I can't listen to this anymore." And she understood. She goes, you can't. I said, no, no, this is, this is unpleasant to me. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear this. And it was very, I, I, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative. I will give it to uh, John Frankenheim, I think was his name, who did the first Exorcist. It was all very similar sounding to that. Well, it's, that's unsettling for sure. It, as much we you know you think about what we what we're taught as christians you you accept christ in your life you you try to start living your life not for yourself but as example to other people you do all these kind of things so why are things like that still allowed to walk among us yeah and going back to the ouija board thing i don't remember what he had done But once they had completed the exorcism, he had a very, he, it had not been erased from his memory. He had a very clear understanding as to who, as to what he had done to invite those in. Like he had, he had invited them in. There's a story of a guy named, I think his name's John Parsons. He ran the very, uh, prominent Parsons company down in Pasadena. I think they were an engineering firm, very prominent firm in uh, mid to late 20th century. Well, it still exists, but it was one of the preeminent companies in the world. And that guy was a very open Satanist. And he would tell a story about how he, he, I think he got a hold of, he got a hold of, no, no, no. This was he was friends with Anton LaVey. So oh, and he was actually okay. younger than Anton LaVey. So he wasn't a pupil of Anton LaVey. He was just a friend friend with him. But he told a story about how when he I think when he was 14 consciously consciously asked Satan into his heart, into his life. What kind of a childhood was that? Yeah, and that, that guy point? was a wacko. There were there's all kinds Ooh. of there's all kinds of stories about him and people in his company and his circle. There, there, he is one of those who is mentioned within the conspiracy theorist world of the. There's that grove up in Northern California where they talk about crazy shit going on. I can't remember the name of it. It's up in Sonoma. It's up in Sonoma County. Um, uh, doing child sacrifice and all that kind of crazy stuff so that stuff exists out there folks so even though colton and i have a very often cerebral view of our christianity that is not to say which then leads us i think to what we continue to talk about on saturday night so colton's not here to speak for for himself but i would admit that it's not when I say that I'm cerebral, it's I let me be clear. I think it's a deficiency on my part that I'm not more spiritual. So hmm. I'm not looking to speak in tongues or anything like that. But um, 
No, in I fact, think... if if you ask me what does that mean, I don't know that I I I don't know I couldn't describe it because I I'm not one who thinks like prayer leads to more spiritual life. Hmm. I'm not saying that it doesn't. Many it's, would it's argue probably it does. a more more holistic. Uh, yeah, it probably is. Because the more because because it bring you're in communion with God. The more the more you're doing that, the more sensitive you're going to be to. You're you yeah you're basically well, the church has done a disservice because we allowed things like uh, Eastern religions and uh, New Ageism to use the word meditation. meditation. That we don't allow that word in lot, lot many circles of Christianity, which is silly. We should use that word meditation because a lot of times that's all prayer is. You don't have to sit in a room and sit there and go, all right, I guess I got to talk. And at some point, God's got to talk. You can just sit and meditate. Sure. I think that a lot of times prayer is just clearing the, clearing the air of the noise. And I think some of the detractors of, the what they perceived as the eastern style of meditation is just leaving your mind open which as we talked about before could be considered an invitation to something like kind of jumping into it versus yeah the meditated prayer of okay but if one's a believer i don't i don't think one's susceptible to that i would agree with that i mean let, let's I let's, let's, let's if if i'm a believer Maybe if one's a new believer, one shouldn't do that. But if right. you've been a believer for a while, you've kind of got, and, and you've got this routine, and so you get up, let's say, at 5.30 in the morning. No, You you decide you're going to do this routine of get up at 5.30 in the morning before the rest of the house gets up. Maybe you have an office or a study, or if you just you go to some room where you're not going to be bothered, and you maybe read the Bible a little bit, but then you just... Stop, and then you just kind of sit there. I don't know how many of us would have patience to just sit there, but maybe that's the whole purpose, to just sit there. That in itself would be a good exercise for most modern Christians. <laughs> just sit there and listen. Clear your How mind do we know God's talking to us? Is it clear to us? If God's talking to us, do you think it's always clear God's talking to us? Well, or can it some the, be the pivotal word is always. No. Not always. Because I, I you know, you've talked to plenty of people that say, I clearly heard do this or do that. I clearly was brought to my knees when I was wrestling with a particular thing. And other times, it's far more subtle than that. I've I only had that once. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm I, laughing because how many times does it need to happen before you're like, oh yeah, that's well, a but thing. I think that's the, that is a thing. That's the that's. Uh, I have not had that happen. Well, but I think that's this is why this is a good discussion because I think a lot of us haven't, and if you're of of a certain flavor of protestantism then that's a sign you don't have true faith but even if you're not let's just say you're a mainline even if you're just a, me a methodist i think some of us sit around and go I i'm not i don't mean that to be <laughs> if they're they're not all that they're uh, they're on the other side of this the spiritual spectrum i would say if you're a methodist and you disagree 
please tell me I'm wrong. If you're on this, the spectrum of the church that's less spiritual, yeah, you know what? That is an interesting question because you just pointed out the Catholic Church is actually very spiritual. Hmm. Anyway, let's say you go to a church. I don't know. I'll pick on the Dutch Reform. You go to a Dutch Reform church and it's not the spirits talked about, but no one ever really talks about it. And you're just kind of like, I just never felt like God's talking to me. I think that leads to a lot of people questioning their faith. And I don't know that it should. I think a lot of times the, what we, what seems to us is our, our voice in our head telling us what to do is actually the spirit telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel that way. We, we, <laughs> Paul's the only one in the New Testament who got struck down <laughs> the way he did. It wasn't a common occurrence. So to think that we're all going to have this moment where God clearly speaks to us. I mean, well, you said it when we talked on Saturday. I, Colton and I pointed out, and I think I was a little off put by it because I think the way it was intended was it doesn't happen. And I might have is easily misinterpreted what he said. But when our one of our pastors at the previous church stood up and said he had never had God speak to him, um, you know, I think that makes a lot of people feel better. Again, if you take it as God doesn't, if his point was God doesn't speak to people that way, well, that's nonsense. But um, of course, it's also nonsense to, that I would with all due respect to my assemblies of God and Pentecostal friends that we're all running around speaking in tongues and all that. I'm sorry. It's a bunch of hooey who in the room is interpreting for everybody. That is the scripture. So, and again, I'm not telling you guys are Christian or not Christians and you're actually demon possessed, but there's something else going on. But anyway, even let's just take the fact that it is real. A lot of you believe that those who don't speak in tongues aren't true believers. That's just not the case. That is just absolutely ridiculous. I've thought, I've thought that many times you go to some of these things and you've got horns blowing and dancing in the aisles and people speaking in tongues and all that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, we really need people with the gift of interpreting. So we can like, yeah, that guy's just a nut job. No, he's... <laughs> Well, I think it says in the New Testament that the, in order for it to qualify as speaking in tongues, there's got to be someone who can interpret. Otherwise, it's not. Yeah. It's not genuine. And again, I don't mean to it's imply if you've been in a church or, God forbid, you've actually spoken in tongues. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I, I just There's a very simple explanation for that. A lot of it, particularly if you watch it, like there's some videos online that are really they're sorry, folks. They're comical. Uh, I mean, I, I have fun. They're, they're funny. I'm having fun. Yes, at you and with you. But a lot of it just looks like social social contagion. And you can it's not hard to get people whipped up into a frizzy and start sp spitting out stuff. So if you, if you were not in the Central Valley of California and you're speaking some obscure language to no one else in the congregation that's going to understand a word you're saying, then that's one thing versus if you're, you know, on the continent of Africa and you start 
preaching to people in their native language. Okay, that's speaking in tongues for me because yeah. there's a purpose and you're going to <laughs> you're going to win people over for Christ. I get that. But you're in some remote town and you're, you know, uh speaking in uh, ancient Hebrew or something like that. It's like it's not going to go very far. Well, I think the thought of it is it's supposed to be the heavenly tongue. But again, someone else has got to be there who's also filled with the spirit. True. Now, I also don't I don't follow the Calvinists. It's not all Calvinists believe this, but a lot of Calvinists believe that there is no holy the there is no speaking of tongues anymore that ended, I think, at the day of Pentecost. Okay. Which seems like a, one of the more nonsensical arguments I've ever heard cuz because uh, later Christ came out and said, "Okay, I didn't like what you guys did with the spirit. He's coming back." <laughs> nope, coming well, back I, with us. I don't understand why, if speaking in tongues ended on the day of Pentecost, why Paul is then talking about some of us have the gift of uh, speaking in tongues. So, <laughs> I, I, unless you think, which no, John John MacArthur would never say Paul was wrong. But okay, I'm sure there's some complicated math to square that equation. Anything else? Uh, we ne- we never even introduced the second beer. Oh, yeah, we cracked the second beer. That's right. Big sexy brewing. I have never heard of, or I don't think I've ever heard or seen this one. This is we got to say it like a uh, uh, fat bastard. Was it fat bastard from? Uh, Big sexy brewing Big company. Big sexy brewing company. Bring sexy back. It's a West Coast India Pale Ale, 7.2 alcoholic volume. It's big, a high quality West big Coast sexy. India Pale Ale that was designed to bring some fun back to craft beer. You know what? I think we sound more like Robert Carlyle from Train Spotting. <laughs> we sound like the. The guy who's going to start fights and train spotting. Well, in all fairness, it is 7.2, and we've already... Tasting <laughs> notes, a light body with bold flavors, citrus, pine, and tropical fruits. you got to say fruits. 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 I've got to go to school. <laughs> Big... So where is this place from? I couldn't even find where the brewery is. I was... Scanning the can, I apologize. Big sexy. Uh, Sacramento. Right. Sacramento. All right. The you den know of the devil himself. Sorry. Changed my accents there. So I dabble in uh, artificial intelligence generated voices. So I'm going to do my best to get Sean Connery to read this label. <laughs> <laughs> it's Big Shakshay. Brewing sh- Company. It's a big sex. Bringing sexy back is a high quality West Coast India paleo. <laughs> you were named after the dog. <laughs> it's a terrible John, Sean Connery. I can do much better than it's that. It's all right. <laughs> I'm gay. Audrey Hepburn. Audrey <laughs> Audrey Hepburn in the bum. 
I really did not think you were going to add that part in. But of course, you're the editor, so. Are you kidding? That'll start the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'll play that before I play the music in the intro. Uh, Okay. Uh, Let's see. We're an hour and 15 in. Was there anything else? Any any grievances? (laughs) Nothing that won't be thought of later and saved for another episode. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or whatever podcast app of choice. Uh, we are on YouTube now as well. Send us your comments at on our email. It's all in the show notes. Just find it. And uh, if you did not like that Sean Connery impersonation, if you didn't like that Sean Connery impersonation or that Robert Carlyle impersonation, you can go to hell.